Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Good morning, Renewal fam. Pastor Steve here. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. This morning, I am going to be opening up uh, our sermon, uh, looking at the new year, and, uh, and want to read from Psalm 90 in verse 12. And uh, if, you, if you've got it, uh, open up your Bible to Psalm 90. If you need to Google it, go ahead and Google it, Psalm 90 and verse 12. And I'm going to attempt to make my way through the psalm itself um, and, uh, and work our way through the passage together. And so Psalm 90 and verse 12, it reads this way. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The very words of scripture. Amen. In 2011, there was a science fiction thriller that came out starring uh, singer-songwriter and kind of legendary Memphian Justin Timberlake. Uh, The story is set in 2169 and people are Uh, genetically engineered to age until they reach 25 years old. So 2169 is the year they age up to 25. And at 25, their clock begins to count down from one year. And when the clock reaches zero, that person times out uh, and they die. Uh, Time uh, in this particular society has become uh, a universal currency and uh, can be transferred between people to people uh, through time capsules and, and they can give each other more time or they can buy time, they can sell time, they can steal time, they can lend it, they can borrow it, they can invest it. Uh, it is literally, time has literally become the greatest commodity in all of the world. Uh, people did whatever they could to get enough Uh, of it so that they didn't time out and pass away. So the storyline of this film highlights for us something that I think is incredibly interesting. It's the reality that all of our lives uh, are lived out in time. Uh, All of our lives are lived out in time. We have a limited amount of time, and yet our time can't be bought on this side of uh, human history. We're not in a science, science fiction thriller. We can't gain more of it we each live with a fixed amount of time. And the reality of all of our lives is that death is an impending guarantee. We, uh, we all will one day pass away. And yet, in our actual experience of life, we kind of live as though time is on our side. We're constantly making plans with a when uh, at the beginning of it, when we get out of school, when we retire, when we make more money, when the kids get out of school. uh, We put off the morbid thoughts of passing away, even though in the back of our minds, we know it looms over all of us. We're constantly looking forward in a kind of false optimism when in reality, we're all running out of time. 
So our response, uh, our response is to insulate ourselves from the thought of it. So uh, we don't have to really deal with it. And uh, and one of the reasons uh, we we have kind of had to confront this in this particular period of human history is because of this global pandemic uh, and the reality confronts us so often that we have to deal with it. We, we, have, uh, we have to be confronted with the fact that we're all running out of time, that life truly is short. Um, some of us have gone to funerals that we didn't anticipate going to this year. Some of us celebrated a Thanksgiving and a Christmas where certain people who were there last year weren't there this year. And we're confronted with the reality that life really is short. That regardless of your health and well-being, that we're not going to live forever. We're all running out of time. And so our lives are our lives. And the reality of our existence is that we have a certain amount of time to do what matters most. And so this morning, I want to preach from the subject We're all running out of time, but we serve a God who is timeless. We're all running out of time, but we serve a God who is timeless. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And I pray even as uh, we have shared uh, heavy thoughts already, God, that you would be with us, that you would illuminate our hearts to the truth of your word that you would give us hope and life and, um, and a true optimism that is based on who you are and what you're doing uh, in the world, uh, especially as we look to a new year, uh, still in pandemic year three, and, and yet, um, Father, you've called us to be about certain things. Uh, you've called us to make the most of the time. And so I pray, God, that you would help us understand how to do that better Uh, in this time together. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So our passage opens up by telling us how long God has existed. Speaking of time, verse one, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And so the psalmist opens up by saying that God has been their dwelling place in all generations. And before we dive into the longevity of God's existence, it's important to understand uh, who is specifically speaking in this prayer to God. Uh, The psalm uh, that we're looking at this morning happens to be the oldest psalm in the entire book itself. Uh, the, The writer of this psalm is a man named Moses. And if you were to flip your Bible to the second book of the scriptures, you would uh, get to see the storyline of Moses's life unfold in a book called Exodus. So allow me to paint a portrait of uh, sort of a picture of the Exodus storyline for those of us who aren't familiar or for those of us uh, who it's not just on front of of our minds. 
this storyline of the Exodus and Moses's experience of it takes place in Egypt, and Egypt is the most powerful nation in the entire world. The Pharaoh in Egypt is the most powerful person in the entire world, so much so that he is considered literally to be a god. And so God speaks to Moses and tells Moses, this stuttering shepherd, to go to the most powerful man in the entire world and tell him to let God's people go. God was speaking of the people of Israel who had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. So now through a series of plagues, God kind of strong arms the Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, uh, and he sets the people of uh, of Israel free. And so in the process of uh, the Pharaoh allowing the people of Israel to go free, he changes his mind and then he chases after with his army, the people of Israel. Uh, and then all of a sudden, as the people of Israel are sort of back up against the wall, uh, as they are in between the army of Egypt and the Red Sea, the, uh, the Bible says that God parts the Red Sea and the people of Israel walk across on dry ground. Uh, and just as they get across and the army of the Egyptians is chasing down the people of Israel, the waters come back together and swallow up the army of the most powerful nation, of the most powerful person in the entire world. And so now they have been set free from bondage and slavery after 400 years. Uh, and Moses says, as he speaks of God, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Dwelling place is the idea of, uh, of home. It brings with it the idea of protection, of safety, of rest. He has taken care of his people. He has miraculously set them free. And the psalmist goes on to say in verse two, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It is a kind of praise of who God is and how God exists outside of space and time before anything existed. He says, God, you existed. You have no beginning. You have no ending. There is no time when you did not exist. There will be no time. Uh, when you do not exist, he literally exists outside of space and time. He created time and time obeys his command. He says in verse four, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. Time from God's perspective is entirely different than it is from our experience. A thousand years of time to God is like yesterday. Uh, that's crazy. That, that's that's a, a thousand years to God is like yesterday. Uh, and yet the sad reality for all of us, you and me, uh, is found in verse 10. Will you look at it with me? It says the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. This is what the psalmist says of humanity's lives. A thousand years is yesterday to God, and yet we live maybe 70 or 80 years if we're lucky, and the reality is that if we're past 40 years old, uh, year, four years old right now, we are more than half done with life. And that's if a pandemic, if a sickness, if a disease, or a tragedy doesn't 
get you before then. And I think the reason that the psalmist is being incredibly bleak here is that Moses is literally watching people die around him. That, that's the, the context of which he's writing this psalm. You see, God had brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. He's uh, taking them uh, into this promised land. He's, uh, he's planning to, to, to lead them into this land flow, flowing with milk and honey, a place where they can find flourishing, a place where they can thrive. And essentially what happens is they don't trust God. The storyline continues in a book called Numbers, uh, chapter 13 and 14 actually articulates that to us. After the people of Israel have been set free from Egypt, God is leading the people of Israel to the promised land and he's providing for them miraculously every step of the way. Every single morning, uh, bread comes from heaven. Literally, bread shows up every morning. They, they can't even take care of themselves and God takes care of them every step of the way. And now God brings them to this promised land. He, uh, he brings them to this land flowing with milk and honey. Twelve spies from the, uh, the people of Israel go to check out the land to kind of see what the, the particular details of the land look like. Uh, and these spies, they come back and they say in so many words, there's no way. There's no way. There's giants in the land. It'll be impossible for us uh, to be able to to come into this land uh, and and for it to be our land. And, and so they they begin to uh, speak down at Moses and his brother Aaron. Uh, and you have to understand, they, they literally watched God overthrow the most powerful nation and the most powerful person in the entire world. They've walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, uh, and now they're looking at, at a place and saying, we're not strong enough to handle that. Even if God is on our side, we can't, we can't go into the promised land. And so you, you can imagine just sort of like uh, the, the, the irony of it all, right? The, the strangeness of, of their response. And this is what they say in Numbers 14. Then all the congregation raised the loud cry and the people wept that night after the response from the spies going to check out the land and them saying there's no way. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? There's the picture. God miraculously set them free. And now they don't trust him to go into the place flowing with milk and honey. The promised land that he had promised to them. And now they're grumbling, saying, I wish we would have died. And here's what happens in response to the people of Israel is that they're literally wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Because they didn't trust God, now they're, they're wandering in the wilderness and they're grumbling and complaining and they're grumbling and complaining. And you might be even saying to yourself that, man, why, why would, would they do that? They just saw God do these miraculous, incredible things and now they are responding and saying, God can't do that, right? And, and we might be tempted on this side of human history, on this side of, uh, of the Exodus to say to ourselves, uh, man, like, that's dumb. Or, or to turn our noses up at the people of Israel 
Uh, but how many of us have uh, pleaded with God to do things in our lives and perform miracles in our lives and promise God, if you do this thing for me, I, I'm going to serve you the rest of, of my life. Uh, and then we find ourselves on the other side of God's answered prayer of God coming through of our backs being up against the wall. And, and now all of a sudden God has made a way out of no way. We didn't think that that would uh, be something that we would get over. We didn't think we we're going to beat the cancer. We didn't think we were going to get out of that thing. We didn't think that we were going to get out of that toxic relationship or that abusive uh, marriage, all of those different details. Uh, and we were pleading with God or we were hoping that something would change and it did. And you got past that situation. And you're looking at your life right now. And some part of your heart says, would that we would have gone back to Egypt. Would that we had died in the wilderness. We have a short memory. We have a short process of refreshing ourselves and reminiscing on what God had done in the past. Before we look down our noses at the people of Israel, we have to realize that we are the people of Israel. And yet here they are, wandering for 40 years in, in the wilderness, and Moses watches as people aimlessly wander through the desert and now they begin to die off. They begin to waste away. And he says in verse seven, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. God, we didn't trust you. We didn't follow you. And now you have left us to fend for ourselves. And now what naturally happens to all human beings begins to take them out. You haven't trusted me. Therefore, death is what happens. So here we find ourselves back to the reality of verse 10 that we talked about earlier. The years of our life, Moses says, are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. You see, the reality of our lives is that we have no reason to spend our lives talking about when we do this or when we do that. or uh, we, don't, we don't have any real reason to, to act like time is on our side because we know it is not. Before, before you know it, death will come knocking at your door. And, and here's the deal. The reason we don't like to talk about it, the reason we don't like to think about it is because emotionally it is too jarring to us. It is too emotionally disheveling. I'll never forget the first time I was asked to go um, do my first funeral. 
first eulogy at a funeral. I was 23 years old. The pastor couldn't make it. And uh, I was there for a woman who knew Christ, who died from cancer. And I was there ministering to her husband and to her sisters. Speaking of the hope that we have in Jesus, celebrating the life that this woman lived, that evidently she had lived really well. And there were nice things said. There were hopeful things said. There were beautiful reflections given. And yet I'll never forget leaving that funeral, going home and sleeping for 12 hours straight because it was so emotionally jarring. I did the funeral of a friend of mine's brother passed away unexpectedly and we reminisced, we celebrated his life, we cried, we reflected, we told stories, we sang, and I went home and I cried and I slept. And if I'm honest with you to this day, I really don't like funerals. I don't. And I think one of the reasons why I don't like funerals is because it reminds me of uh, the emotional upheaval that it can cause in a family. It reminds me of my father who passed away at 31 years old. It, it reminds me of uh, my grandmother passing away in our home after her helping my mom get back on her feet from my dad passing. It reminds me of my mom passing. It reminds me of my uncle passing. It reminds me of what death can do to a family. And here's the reality of your situation and my situation. The reason, perhaps, that you don't like funerals and I don't like funerals is because when God created you and me, we were never intended to die. There is something so emotionally jarring because some thing, someone who is eternal, that, that has been snuffed out from them. And so it is emotionally excruciating. And, uh, and, and the reality of that situation, it, it brings us and draws us back to Genesis chapter 3, the very first book of the Bible, where uh, God says to Adam and Eve, you shall not eat of the tree, that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And what ends up happening, and Pastor Derek talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but what ends up happening is that the serpent comes, deceives the woman and the man, uh, tells them a different word as, as opposed to what God said, 
And God says, when you eat of it, on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And so the reality of your situation and my situation is that ever since that day, 70 or 80 years, if there's not a pandemic that comes and gets us, eventually we do die. And that's why. When God created us in his image, he created us to live forever. And yet sin has caused something to change about that. We were created. We were created to live forever. And so I I wonder, I, I, I wonder that the reason why it is so emotionally uh, draining and, and, and such uh, like grief comes in waves and, 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 and frustrating. And the reason we try to insulate ourselves from the idea of it is, is because something, someone who is intended to be eternal has died. And it messes with us because it messes with the fabric of how we were created. And so it brings us back to verse 12, Moses saying uh, to you and, and to me, if we've got 70 or 80 years and we're we're going into this new year and there's stuff that life is going to bring about. There there are things that we're going to have to prioritize in our lives that there, there are. Uh, there are things that we, we have to focus on in our lives to make the most of the time. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Moses sees the situation and he's saying, God, teach us not to waste time. We don't have time to waste energy on things that don't matter. I don't have time to fool around trying to figure stuff out that doesn't have eternal purpose and value. I don't care how much they're paying. If it's not God's will, I don't want to do it. I don't I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not going to spend money to impress people I don't like. I, I want to spend my money investing in the kingdom of God. I, I don't I don't have time to fool around dating somebody when stuff is not going anywhere just so I don't feel lonely. I, I don't have time to fool with you on that. I, I need to make the most of the time. I, I don't have time to wait for when the kids get out of school to do things for God. Come, come on. We're going as a family to serve together. I don't I don't have time to spend investing it all into myself or into people who could care less. I've got to spend my time investing in what lasts forever. I don't have time. To waste talking about my emotional and spiritual and mental health without getting help. There's so many things drawing for our attention. There are going to be so many things drawing uh, for your attention in this new year. The pandemic is going to affect things. Your job is going to affect things. The dreams that you have have to be dreams that have an eternal investment. Because we don't have time to waste. So that when we look back at our lives, we won't look 
at the number of hours we logged on Netflix or the number of hours we logged on Instagram, but we'll, we'll, we'll be able to look back at, at, at the hours we spent investing in things that last forever. You don't have time this year to say to yourself, you know what? I need to get serious about my faith. You know what? Next year, I'm going to start reading the Bible. You know what? Next time, I'm going to get in community in small group with other people. You know what? Next time, next time I'm going to write that I'm a Christian on the dating app. I'm a serious follower of Jesus so that I can be matched up with another person who wants to pursue their faith. I don't have time to waste. Maybe that means I've been saying I'm going to invest in God's kingdom financially and, and 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 maybe. Uh, You're waiting around for somebody else to do it. You heard, oh, man, we gave away uh, $10,000 for for Wells. And you're like, man, if they can if if they got $10,000, then they don't need my little uh, $50. They don't need my little $20. They don't need my little $25. And, And and the reality is God is asking for you personally and individually to invest in the kingdom of God, not to to look at other people and say, well, they don't need what I've got. God is calling you to invest In his kingdom, God is going to ask you, what did you do for the kingdom of God? Not they didn't need it. What did you do to invest in something that lasts forever? If if I've been receiving so much spiritually from God through a local community of faith, the, the bride of Christ, and yet I haven't invested a dollar back where God has blessed me, then something is wrong, and I don't have time to waste looking like next month and next month and next month I'm going to do that. I've got to start investing in things that last forever now. Maybe what it means to teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom means uh, that to those of you who are a little bit older a little gray around the edges, maybe it means that I got to stop living for my retirement. I, I got to stop living uh, for the lake house or spending my energy uh, trying to be comfortable in the latter season of my life. But I need to get serious about investing spiritually into the younger generation. We need some seasoned saints who say to the younger women, Hey, y'all, let me tell you about life in following Jesus. We need some seasoned saints who are older men who are saying, hey, I've invested spiritually in my life. I I want to pour out onto the younger men, the younger generation. Or, man, I'm seasoned them. I've done all of the stuff that doesn't last forever. I'm 65 years old. I'm going to start doing and focusing on things that do last forever. Maybe that means I need to quit talking about when I'm going to share my faith with my coworker or the barista that I run into 
the next time, time I'm going to, when there's a perfect situation and a perfect moment and a, a perfect time, that I say, you know what? There is no perfect time. Let me tell you my story. Let me share with you the grace of God that God has given to me. Moses goes on to wrap up the story in verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Moses prays that in the midst of uh, the, their hardship, that God would satisfy them in the morning with, their step at, with his steadfast love. Every morning, the, the Israelites who were wandering in the wilderness would receive bread that came down from heaven. And so he's asking God to continue to show how he provides for their needs. But then he prays, make us glad. For as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many days as we have seen evil. Moses is writing this near the latter part of his life and he's asking God for many joyous days while he has just talked about the limited time that human life has. And so I think the psalmist is pointing us to a different kind of manna that, that satisfies us in the morning. Uh, for I hear Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me shall never go thirsty. You see, the story of Moses and the Israelites in the book of Exodus is really the story of you and me. That our brokenness, our sin, our desire to build our lives on things other than God had left us enslaved. There, there was nothing we could do in our own strength to find freedom from that until Jesus Christ uh, sent from God, told Satan, sin and death, let my people go. And so 2000 years ago, there was a funeral service that changed the trajectory of human history when uh, Jesus stepped foot on that cross and uh, and the the people there were mourning and crying and uh, and they were in anguish looking at the Savior die. And yet God was subverting everything at a funeral in the midst of a time period where you and I look at the reality and the staunchness of, of life 70 or 80 years. If we're lucky uh, and then time passes away, God did something about that. He sent his son and, and actually changed the trajectory of human history at a funeral. And he told Satan, sin and death, let my people go. You've, you've enslaved them for long enough so that he could bring his people into the promised land called heaven, restoring what was lost in Genesis chapter three. You see, because the timeless savior took on death and defeated it, we no longer have to act like time is on our side and some kind of phony optimism, but death no longer has power over us and we are empowered and enabled to urgently live our our earthly lives for God in a way that impacts eternity. You see, God answered Moses's prayer. And we lift up verse 12 as our own. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now is the time. This year is the year. For you and I to live our lives out for God. For us to invest in things that last forever. 
whether that's in the local church, whether that's at our jobs, whether that's with our families, now is the time. And so, God, we pray this prayer. We ask that we would be people who wouldn't waste our lives, that we wouldn't live saying when we do this or when we do that, but we would be empowered and enabled by your spirit now to live for things that last forever. Let's pray. Father, as we look to a new year, as we look back and celebrate the coming of your son, Jesus Christ, we are so, so incredibly grateful in light of the, the bleak truth of this reality that you have done something about death. Uh, and so I pray that in light of the fact that you've done something about it, that we would live our lives in such a way that says thank you, that we would live our lives in such a way that we remember that you answered Moses's prayer. You are giving us joyous days in the land of the living. Let us live it to the utmost for your glory and our good. As we look to 2022, allow us to make the most of the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.